Be reading out of Galatians chapter 5 this morning. To make sure I start in the right place, starting with verse 16, reading through the 26th verse, Galatians 5. I say then, Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another." Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your instruction, for the revelation of your will to us, and that we have the opportunity this morning, the privilege to look into it. We ask you, by your working and through your Holy Spirit, impress our hearts with it. May we learn of it, and may you help prepare us to practice it. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I have a little preparation here to do as we get started. So this morning, I'm desiring to continue in the same vein as Pastor Dan has been doing some wonderful instruction with the word of God is we've been looking at the person of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's ministry. You might have um, felt that you've had sufficient <laughs> messages on this topic because we've had several and I, I debated that greatly uh, to make sure I wasn't being redundant. But I have some things on my heart that I'd like to share this morning. And uh, I don't know, I have, uh, I've been through a year of Romans before. Have you ever done that? <laughs> so sometimes we, we have some extended topics that we do sometimes. And I even had uh, one occasion where I think we had a month 
on John 3.16, and that was, you've heard of uh, having a verse-by-verse -verse exposition. Well, that was word-by-word, -word, and it was very enlightening. It, it was very good, uh, some uh, very deep things. So some people wondered, when I was in the pastorate, they, they would ask me, well, don't you run out of things <laughs> that you'd, you'd have to speak on? And, uh, and no, because if you, you know, you, it's, it's always there. There's always something. And we can do it verse by verse. We can do it topically. We can uh, get very uh, intricate if we wanted to. But I, I think sometimes we would run the risk then of having, losing some people and not being interested in some of the deriva derivations of all the words. However, I will continue this morning and uh, us looking at growing in the fruit of the Spirit as we are instructed there in Galatians 5.16. I have this object this morning because I feel it's relevant to our overall focus on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We have uh, instructions in Scripture about giving God the first fruits. Now, usually that's a message on giving. I chose not to do that this morning. <laughs> so, but uh, when you have a message on um, our stewardship, our responsibility as Christians in stewardship to God, giving of our tithes and offerings. They're referred to in the Old Testament frame of reference as the first fruits. And I like this little illustration because um, many times we have to be reminded, have to be admonished, be, to be thinking about what part of our lives, what part of our finances, what part, I mean, this applies to many areas of our lives besides giving. What are we giving him? And many times I feel we have to be cautioned to not be giving him the apple core, right? Because I know in your experience, um, I know especially even in the area of giving, because you know, Karen and I have been married 57 years. And, uh, you know, you go through various stages in life of things where it's really tough. It's tight financially, and you, you battle with how much you have to give to the Lord. And so we've had various experiences, but we have found, let me encourage you, we have found that over time, if we give what we have, what we feel that God has impressed on our hearts that we need to do with our tithes and offerings, we give that first. We run the risk of maybe not having everything that we might want by the end of the month, but I guarantee you, you will make it to the end of the month. God will bless that, and you'll make it to the end of the month more often and <laughs> consistently than if you take first and then hope to have something left over for God because when you get there at the end of the month, usually we aren't going to have much left over for God that way. Same thing from our lives. Are we, are, as we would be looking to him, we're looking to give to him of our, of our best. And we are told even in Romans 8.23, God has given to us the first fruits of his spirit. As we're thinking of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, God has given to us of his best, the first fruits of his spirit given to us, brought to this earth to indwell his people 
the people that he has called out to be in them and with them in fellowship and in instruction and empowerment, what we need for living our Christian lives. So as we walk by the Spirit, Christ has given us what we need to grow in his grace and become more like him. As we walk moment by moment through our day dependent on Christ and the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 1, I'd like to read. 1 Peter 1, I guess I have it written down. You can look, 1 Peter 1, uh, verses 15 and 16 tell us, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And as I'm reading this morning, I just came to mind, I'm reading out of the New King James Version this morning, so I know most of the time we're in English Standard Version, so anyway, just so you can know if there's any variations that I'm using the New King James this morning. So he wants us to be holy, but it is not like he has placed this great burden on our life to somehow work it up, to suck it up and be able to produce holiness. The wonderful facts of God's grace and purpose in our lives, he gives to us. It's a gift of, of our, in, into our lives through our Lord Jesus Christ and our faith in him. He gives us the gifts that we need. He gives us out of his bounty to what we need to have. And it's dependent on him and not on us. That's the, it's uh, by his grace through faith. We, so we come to Christ that way. We need to be living our life that way. We look to him and what he has and what he says he promises in his word. We look for those promises. Because if they're his promises, we know he wants that for our lives. We pray for it. He's going to honor those promises. And he gives us his very presence in our lives to help us learn, to be enlightened, to understand. And then to even see that scripture, scripture is profitable for those things that would reprove us, things that would correct us, things that, and I won't do the whole thing, but to train us in righteousness. And that's what it's about when we're walking in the Spirit. And when we're walking in the Spirit, we know that we have the Holy Spirit is the one through Christ, Christ in our life, through his word, and through his presence, controlling and leading and guiding us, and his Holy Spirit then enabling us to walk patiently, purposely, in the way that he wants. We have Christ's presence through us in the Holy, Spirit, in the Holy Spirit's indwelling. He, God is calling out a people for himself to be like him. And of course, we have Christ's promises to that. I don't want to do too much, but I, do, I just want to, for those who may or may not have been here, through the various uh, 
sections of things that we've been having in the, on the Holy Spirit. A couple of passages out of John, just as reminders. John 14, 16. Jesus talking to the disciples. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Just a little word there. We realize before Pentecost, before the giving of the Spirit, and in the Old Testament, and, and at these times, the Holy Spirit would come upon God's men and women. God would come upon them and empower them for their tasks. We are in a wonderful time of grace and provision because God has sent us his Spirit to be with us and in us as forever. On into eternity, we have God in us and with us. That is our seal, our, and I'm sure you've had some sermon, sermons. It's our guarantee that we are God's child and he's taking us on. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, but he will be, I go down to 18, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. And then John 16, just as a further, as Jesus' upper room discourse, teaching the disciples about the future things and giving them promises in 16:12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he... The spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. A little while and you will not see me, and again, a little while, and you will see me because I go to the Father. Great promises of what, what is the ministry, the guarantee, the promises of what the Holy Spirit is going to be doing for us. So when we have received Christ as our Savior, we have the person of God indwelling us. I want to emphasize when we receive Christ, we get all of Christ, right? We've invited Christ into our lives. We aren't going to get more of Christ at some other time. We have Christ. If we have him and know him, he's in our life. We have a covenant God who's calling out a people. He does the choosing, the calling, the saving. And as we are learning in Sunday school and have been discussing, this is all sovereignly initiated by God. And this covenant grace calls for a covenant response then of his people. Responses of acceptance, submission, obedience. And as we have those, we realize it's God's working. Even as we are in obedience and God is desiring that, and we willingly submit and say, I desire to do this. Then we have God backing us up. He is empowering us. He's working in us. It's not in our, our flesh and our human ability to come up with it. It's with 
the Spirit of God and the presence of Christ in our life enabling us to do things. And now as we have the Holy Spirit, he is our sanctifier. He, as we've been singing, holy, 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 the sanctifier is making us holy. And this is done by God's working. This is not like the vine. We, we have the illustration of the vine and the branches. It's not like I'm, I'm pushing out the fruit. You know, I'm not having it. It's the source of, of God in us. The source of God in the vine bringing out the branches and the blossoms and the fruit. And that's what he desires to do in us. Ours is to surrender. Ours is to be willing. Ours is to desire and have the response of obedience. And I want to emphasize, you're not looking to get more of the Holy Spirit sometime. We, the Holy Spirit is the person of God. If we have God in us, we have all of the portion that he has for us. We are not looking for another experience. We are not looking for some feeling. Now, we're going to have emotions. I have to clarify this because as I go on, we will have emotions of joy. And, and, we, and many times when we're at a, a Bible conference or some special gathering and we're having speakers and they're declaring God's word to us, you know, we can have some wonderful emotional things as God warms our hearts. And I hope we walk away with our hearts warmed, you know, in those times. But we aren't seeking an emotion. The emotions come because of what we, taking in God's word and worshiping and honoring God for who he is and what the Holy Spirit means in our lives and what Christ has done for us. That enables us to do what he wants us to do. We don't get more of him. He gets more of us. We're surrendering more and more of our life to him. Growth and maturity involves the time that you spend walking in God's spirit, dependent on Christ and his empowerment in our lives. Have you wondered why some people come to Christ and they don't seem to go very far past that. They've got the insurance policy type of, type of attitude. I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. What's more to do type of thing. Now, I think that's fairly the exception, but sometimes people don't go very far and that's because they aren't participating with God in the way that we need to surrender to him, learn of him and surrender to his will and his ways. We mature when we, during the times that we have learned of God's will and ways and we have surrendered to them and we desire that in our lives and we want God. We say, God, I'm willing. Work this in me. I desire this. And I know sometimes it might even be painful. Sometimes it might not be convenient. Sometimes He'll take us through things to, to get us. We, when we say we want some of the fruit of the Spirit, we want one of those qualities in our lives. We're, we're seeing a need in that. Sometimes he takes us through some things to show us his power and his way of making us what he wants us to be. 
So let's take a look at that manner of growth with these, uh, the different fruit of the Spirit here. And as I do that, I need to just one more principle as we're doing this and as we're looking at these particular qualities. God tells us we should be filled with the Spirit. We should walk in the Spirit. And so that's his command. And we, we know, and like, I'd like to read 1 John 1, 9. We, we know that when we're walking with, in the will of God, when, uh, when we are learning of him, when we are um, putting into our lives what he has for us, excuse me, here we get one nine. Let me see what I did wrong here. Five, excuse me, for John five. <laughs> I did one nine earlier, didn't I? When I had that, when we were in the time of confession. First John five is what I want. Pardon me. First John five. Fourteen and fifteen. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. That's why it's so powerful if we have these instructions. We have these instructions about walking in the spirit and, and being filled with the spirit. But we have other instructions. We have other promises. When we know we're in the will of God and he says he wants this for our lives, then we know when we ask him of it, he wants to work that in. Now, when I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit and we're seeing them, let's go to John 5, that 5, um, Galatians 5 passage. When we see these qualities, now we know that there are some things that different ones of us have in the ability to do some of these things humanly. And a lot depends on where we, where we are, being raised in a Christian home has great advantages. I was not raised in a Christian home. So when I started looking at these attributes of God's spirit and how they would be evidenced in me, love, joy, peace, patience, I like patience, long sufferings in the New King James of patience in the English Standard Version, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. As you see those things, we all look at our lives, and we're all in different places with God. We have all different maturity levels and places where we are. And I didn't start having any real training or learning of God in knowing Christ until I was 20. So I had a little ways in there. You kids, you have a great head start. You're being raised in a family that cares about Christ, cares about Jesus, and what he has to say, and what he wants to do in your life. And they're training you up and nurturing you in his will and his ways. Those of us that didn't have that, not only have a long way to go to learn about them, but we have some things in the past, some habits, some things in our lives that are hindering us. They're not only starting from ground zero, we're on the negative side of things. And some of you may, depending on 
uh, your background, we all might have some things hanging on that we have to, we work with for a long time. And I'm, I'm going to take the, some of this fruit that are exemplified here, I'm going to take them in maybe some different orders because I want to give, give some examples. One of the first attributes that God started working into my life had to do with my mouth, the language. Bad language. I was raised in a home where there weren't many adjectives. Okay, <laughs> the vocabulary wasn't very large, <laughs> and I think some of you. I mean, sometimes you hear some things, and it's like one word over and over and over. That's a, and that's the only word they know to describe anything or something. Uh, my I happened to be raised where there I had a little bit larger vocabulary. They had a number of words, but not words that described anything. They were just profanity. So I had that in my brain, and I had that in my life, and that's how I was approaching life, till I came to Christ, and one of the first things he challenged me on was language. Now, I wish that it had just vanished and uh, you know, went away because I came to know Christ, but that isn't the way it happened. As I came to Christ, he challenged me on it, and he started working with me on that. I told him I wanted it. I agreed with him this wasn't what I wanted or that he wanted either. And so, first of all, I started working on what came out of my mouth type of thing and holding my tongue. So what are we talking about here? We're talking self-control, aren't we? The fruit of the spirit of self-control. Now this is, when we have these attributes and God's working with us, this is more than our human ability. I could have concentrated on not saying words all day long. And you know that old game, the minute you try to stop thinking of something, then that's, you end up thinking of those things type of situation. So I needed God to help me not have that be my response. Now I had things coming into my brain for a while, but I was able to say, no, not that. In, in what came out. Practice that for it. So this is over a period of time, God working, and then it became, you know, a little bit of a thought coming through at a time when you're in bad traffic or something, and you said, nope. <laughs> and then pretty, pretty soon, it wasn't even an inclination. God was able to take that away out of my life. And of course, a large part of that, too, was a problem with anger. These, some of these things are tied together. I had anger as part of my response to life situations, and so I would lash out, and that would be an expression of anger. And God worked on this little by little until finally it wasn't an inclination. I, and I'm, I'm not, this is God's doing, so I'm testifying of what God can do in certain areas. This isn't something that I can take any credit for. And we had our daughter, Janet, we had her with one year after we were married. So when I say this, uh, and I, I came to Christ uh, about a year and a half to two years before we were married. But my children have never heard a, a filthy word out of my mouth. Okay? And then I taught 30 years of, <laughs> of high school. And I never, never, I never lost it in class. And I'm talking 
public and private schools, uh, teaching. I was a chemistry teacher, so there's lab situations, some things where uh, things can go wrong quick, quickly. So God, God, as we faithfully make ourselves willing, he can take that and bring that through his power. So this is not a human thing. This is where God is doing far beyond our human natural abilities. This is what the fruit of the Spirit are about. And they aren't all instantaneous. Now, I had a problem with goodness also. I was taking things that were not mine before I was a Christian. Stores. I don't want to get detail. So, God took that away instantaneously from the time I came to Christ. I no longer had a desire and I saw the wrongness and he empowered me to be able to not even be tempted anymore to take things that were not mine, pilfering things out of a store or whatever. So God works, I just, those are two examples. And I've heard of people who have trusted the Lord and they may have had a drug problem and they were just they never had a temptation again. They were delivered from their drug, drug problems just as they came to Christ. And others, not so. They have just going on to struggle with years, maybe needed to work with support group. But, and so you do, there are some things around in health, but we're looking to God and his working by his Holy Spirit to produce in us what we could never hope to do, but we may, we're telling him, I want that, I'm willing, please take this part of me and renew it. Of course, we've been talking about love also, and I want to be considerate here. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I've got a couple others, but I'll, I'll, I'll do the love one. <laughs> Because this is, Pastor did a great, has done some really great groundwork on the fruit of the spirit of love and what he wants in our lives. And of course, you've all had the, I think, sermons before, types of love that were around in the Greek setting, eros, phileo, agape, and all those others. Those other loves were selfish. They were taking love. What can you do for me? What can I take from you? In the relationship, I don't have to give anything back. I want it all my way. Or you can have the one where it's a I give, give and take, where the flat, where I, because you love me, I love you, uh, we treat each other kindly or whatever. But agape, of course, is the self-giving in spite of getting nothing back type of love. And that's a tough love. That's the kind of love that God showed to us in Christ, isn't it? That. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He went to the cross for us. And even when we had no inclination or desire, especially for me, to even know him or to follow him. And, and so he, he did that out of his love and to call out a people for his own. And so that type of love is something that you have to call on, that sometimes you need to call on. Now, when Karen and I got married, <laughs> um, 
I was from a household where everything was done indirectly. All the commands and what you were supposed to, it was clues. <laughs> you had to catch the clue. <laughs> and if you didn't, then you, you were going <laughs> to pay a penalty. Uh, and you had to catch the suggestion of what needed to be done. Somebody needs to take out the garbage, you know. <laughs> you know it's never, and they're not saying what they need done. Karen came from a household where things were direct. So, here, so we've got, you're married and you've got these different things and it's ingrained in us. To make long story short, Karen became more diplomatic. <laughs> and for me, I became more specific in what it was that I was seeing and if I wanted her to help with that, because there's only two people in the room at this point. You know, somebody needs to <laughs> close that cupboard door, or whatever, whatever it is that, that is bothering. Who is that somebody? Well, there's not too many. So, but that was a problem. Okay, I'm, I'm, I made it really light and it sounds, but it was like, you've got this ingrained in your lives for 20 some years and some people get into where maybe they've been on their own longer. Um, and so out of love, no matter how many times I was being indirect, she loved me and persisted, and however many times it irritated me about something <laughs> in her manner of not being diplomatic, um, I loved her, and, it, and we worked together over time. Fortunately, we've had 56 years to work on some things. <laughs> and so anyway, you keep, and you still keep at it at a different time. But that's only, as, and this is, again, things that human beings cannot come up with in their own self-efforts. It's when we look to God, we're asking him by the working of his Holy Spirit to take over an area of our life. And when we see that there's something, and I'm not saying you, you don't want to work on all nine don't go to work on all nine of these areas, okay? Or whatever area that we see in God's word, he instructs us of how we should be thinking or, or behaving. You, you let, him, let him work with you, show you the priority. You want to ask God, what's my priority? I know I can't do all nine. What's, what is it right now? What's the priority of what you would like to work on? And then you talk to, with him about it and... Uh, surrender that part to him and say, Lord, I'm, now I'm, I'm ready for the journey. You show me what you have for me to help learn these things and to be more conformed to Christ's, that's our goal, conformed to Christ's image, be more Christ-like. And we can't do that on our human ability. We can't do that by our human ability. We can only do that by God's grace through faith. We can only apply this day by day, moment by moment. And I just want to encourage you, and you've all probably some read various books and you've had <laughs> various things. And for many of you, I'm not saying anything really new. I'm just in encouraging you and cheering you on at this stage while we're at this topic of the fruit of the Spirit, moment by moment, each day. That's all. And when something comes, it trips up. We've got the little uh, rock in the pathway and we stumble on something. We um, pick ourselves back up and we say, okay, Lord, I confess that I, I blew it again. I, and so I come to you, I admit that. I ask you to uh, forgive me. I look to you in your grace and forgiveness and I want to journey on. Pick me up right now, the rest of this day. It doesn't have to ruin my day. 
it happened here. I, uh, so take me on from here for however long in the day now you can help me. And let me just say, when I go back to the profanity thing, uh, it was like that, and it was like, how long can it last? You know, and it might, can I get, and so I got to where I got through a day instead of a few, an hour, a few hours or something. So it is, in that case, it was progressive, it was consistent, God continued to work. You keep admitting to him that you have, need his forgiveness and you want to journey on, fill me with your spirit, control me with Christ's word, and help me journey on. So I encourage you, seek this week to look to Christ and his working in your life to be more like him and realizing that his Holy Spirit is working and desiring to make you more like Christ. Show him that willingness. And I, I really like the, the one word I like that was in the New King James. If you go back to those lists, it's about practicing these things. It's not like, uh-oh, I made a mistake and it's all over. It's because we all are flawed. So, yes, and we will trip up. But the idea is we haven't gotten into a pattern of that we don't want to hear any more about it. I'm going my own way. I, I don't care what you want. I'm, I'm taking control here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it this way because I, I think I'm going to enjoy this more this way. No, we're day by day, moment by moment, looking to God what the next step is as we journey on with him and leaving the results to him. Leaving the results. You, 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 you look at the quality and you ask him and you step out and you say, Lord, work in me. So you're working with God and you're, and you're trusting him. And as I, um, last word, as we develop these attributes, they are not just for us. God is calling out a people. Why, do we, why does he give the church gifts? Why does he want us to have these qualities in our lives? It's for his people to be in this world. It's for us to be his people and to be Christ-like. So it's for the use of the whole body together, the whole church of Christ, to exhort and uplift one another. And then it's to be for the watching world. We are to be that, that people. And the only way that happens is when God is the one producing it and in control. Let me close. Lord, thank you so much for uh, all of your love and your grace in our lives, your forgiveness, how you pick us up so many times, day after day. And uh, Lord, conform us to Christ's image day by day, preparing us for eternity. We would look to that when we are completely transformed no longer any presence of sin no more temptation but while we're here we are showing forth your your grace and your power in your people make us that i ask in jesus name amen